Thanks for joining the Joshua Nation's Inheritance Podcast, where we discuss God, the Bible, and God's purpose for your life. Be inspired and encouraged to engage in transforming the world around you. I absolutely love what you all are doing. While I don't know everything that you do every day, I admire the call of God that you guys are following. Uh, Pastoring, doing ministry, leading businesses, these things are all incredibly difficult and challenging. And uh, it requires real grit and determination and a lot of, uh, I don't know, willingness to suffer and press into Jesus for what we need. And as I was praying for you all this morning, I I felt to share something with you um, that I think is going to be encouraging, but also my hope and my desire is that it will also challenge you, um, challenge a little bit, maybe toward a paradigm shift a little bit. I guess the question I want to start out with here is, what are you building? So I just want you to think for a moment um, what are you what are you actually building? What are you doing? There's a story um, that's been used in teachings many, many times, and I'll put a little twist on it, but you know, it's this guy, he's walking through a city and he sees some people building something. And he sees what the first builder and he says, Hey, what are you doing? He sees him there laying bricks and he says, I'm laying bricks. Okay. He goes to the next guy down the row, says, What are you doing? He's doing the same thing. He's laying bricks, but he says, I'm building a wall. Right. Okay, great. He goes a little bit further down to the next guy who's also doing the same thing. He's laying bricks and he says to him, hey, what are you doing? He says, I'm building a cathedral, right? And then he goes down to the fourth guy and he says, what are you doing? He's doing the same thing. He's laying bricks, but he says, I, I'm building a cathedral where people are going to encounter the presence of God, right? And so each person was doing the same job and they were doing it with a different end goal in mind. And what you're doing matters and why you're doing it matters. And I don't know about you, but having been in ministry for nearly 20 years of my life, basically all my adult life has been spent being in ministry, training others to do the same, doing evangelism, you know, the whole gamut of all the stuff that we get to do when we're in ministry, right? And sometimes it's really easy to forget what we're doing and why we're doing it. As, can anybody give me an amen on that? Have you guys been there where you just like have one of those days and you're like, I don't even remember why I'm doing this. What is going on here? Especially when there's difficulty that presses against you. But really those difficult moments are the opportunity to gain clarity on what you're doing and why you're doing it. And hopefully there's some stuff that you can stop doing because it has nothing to do with the bigger picture, right? It's just busy work. It's stuff that the enemy or your own lack of organizational skills, like hallelujah, me too, you know? It's like you just let stuff creep in that's not really essential or important for the mission. And I think about like Jesus, okay? He says over here in John chapter five, he says to his disciples and others who are around, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing for whatever his father does, 
that the sun does likewise. And this leads me to my second question, which is, what is your vision? What do you see? Um, it always is a pet peeve of mine. Can I tell you guys something that annoys me? In Christianity, we, you know, and missions especially, we mix up, uh, we mix up mission and vision a lot. I don't know why, because it's like vision is what you see that's not yet, and mission is how you're going to get there. It's just kind of simple. Mission is a staircase. Vision is what you see. Mission is the staircase to get there. I don't know why we mix these things up all the time, but mission should be have some how in there or whatever. But just to make this clear, I'm going to talk a little bit later here about the Missio Dei, the mission of God. What is God's mission? Which really is, what is his end goal? So it's more like his purpose, but historically it's been called Missio Dei. But there's something I've been really chewing on that I'm excited to give you guys about this piece. But yeah, what do you see? Now, before, before you think that I'm going to share with you about mission and vision from a practical leadership standpoint, that's not where we're going today. I believe God wants us to reorient ourselves around building the kingdom and having a vision of Jesus. Building the kingdom, that's what we're building. And our vision is a vision of Jesus. There's, there's a, this thing that happens to us when we lose our vision of Jesus, we begin to drift into busy work, performance, and personal kingdom building. You follow what I'm saying? I think you guys have all seen this stuff. And what I believe is that if you have a fresh daily vision of Jesus, that is going to put fuel and fire in your tank to be able to do the ministry effectively, to be able to love those that God places in your path effectively, to lay aside your own desire to build your own kingdom and a desire to build his. Psalm, Psalm 34 verse 5 is one of my favorite verses ever. And it says this, that those who look to the Lord are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. I absolutely love that because that's like a personal application piece. It's also a piece when you see those leaders who've been spending time with Jesus and they have a personal vision of Jesus Christ, man, there's something awesome going on in there. And there's fruit that comes off their life that changes lives. And I don't know about you, but time is dang short, right? I feel this time is short and I really want to pour out my life for Jesus, for his purposes and not for my own kingdom. You guys follow what I'm saying? So the, the third question I have here really is what is the mission of God? What's the Missio Dei? What's he doing? What has God been doing over the last millennia? What is he about? And really, the truth is here, like it says in Colossians, oh man, this passage, I almost thought about just preaching off this passage at you guys, just sharing with you guys to encourage you about Jesus. Like, he's so amazing, you know? But I'm just going to share this piece from chapter 1, verse 20. Uh, actually, we'll start in verse 19. For in him, all the fullness of God, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, he reconciles all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And I just love this because God's mission, the thing he's trying to do, the thing that we get to be a part of is he is reconciling all things to himself. 
He's redeeming everything. He's putting back everything that was broken and he's reversing every curse that has been placed on this planet. That's what he's doing. He is bringing all things back into reconciliation with himself into relationship. And whether you're a pastor, you're a business owner, you're a mission leader, I, I don't know what all you guys do. You're, you're a father, you're a friend, you're a, you're a part of a neighborhood and a network. Like you get to be a part of what God's, the big mission of what God's doing. And each ministry, every business you're a part of has a unique role to play in accomplishing that. Now, my question about mission and vision is always, okay, how, how are you doing that? Because if you don't have a practical how, no one's going to do it, right? If we have a little scripture or a little thing on our wall that says, um, we love people into the kingdom or something cheesy like that. Now, if you have that written somewhere, I'm sorry. But if you have something like that, really, the question is how, right? And I was talking with a friend of mine the other day, and we were talking about our mission statement at our church. Not pinging it at all, but just that's a great mission statement. But how are we doing that on a daily basis? And so the question is, how is God going about reconciling? Obviously, we know it's through Christ. Now, if you look at the big scope picture of the Bible, you see over and over and over again, there's something about God's name, the name of Jesus. You see him saying, like, I'm going to do this so that people know that there's a God in Israel. I'm going to do this for my name's sake. I'm going to do this so my name is lifted high, right? And God was constantly saying things about his name. And then, of course, we have Jesus shows up on the scene. He comes and he makes his name known. And not only that, he's God with us walking around on the planet. And so God, in his wisdom, knows that nobody, like it says in Romans, no one can call on someone they've never heard of before. So what is he doing? How is he reconciling people? He's making the name of Jesus more famous every day. And that's what we get to be a part of doing. And sorry, Pastor Jason, this is like my, my optimism spilling out like crazy. But it's actually that simple. I don't need to make the name of Faith Bible Chapel more famous. You don't need to make, okay, I understand marketing, right? But God, his mission is to make the name of Jesus known where it's not known yet. And that's one of the reasons I love what Joshua Nations does is it pushes the name of Jesus out there, another level, another layer, out where it's not yet. Because how can people call on Jesus if they don't even know he exists? And I think about, it doesn't have to be in, super far away nations from where you live. It could be your neighbor doesn't even know that you know Jesus. They've never heard of Jesus. How are they going to know unless you exalt the name of Christ, right? So what are you building? You're building the kingdom. And guess what? The kingdom's built and made of people. So you're building and investing into people. And what's your vision? Your vision is Jesus and seeing his name lifted higher. Like, I don't know about you, but I would love to see more leaders be just roasting hot around the idea of exalting the name of Jesus Christ, like lifting him, that it isn't about Mark Davies International Ministries to make myself feel good, like, ooh, I've been all over the place and I preach and I blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. It's going to go away. The thing that will never go away is God's kingdom. You ever wonder why Jesus said to people, 
his disciples, he's like, hey, when someone hits you, turn your other cheek. But right before that, he says, don't resist an evil person. It's because he knew, and man, he lived during the Caesar with these crazy Caesars who were doing crazy stuff. And he didn't say a lick against them. What he did do is he went and he built his father's kingdom. Because guess what? Where's Rome now? Where's Rome? I'll tell you what, the kingdom of Jesus is all over the planet, right? So what are you building? You're building his kingdom. And what's your vision? Is Jesus and to see his name lifted high. All right. I love it because Ephesians 1.10 also says this, that, that God's desire is to unite all things in him. And that's what we're aiming at together. I'm not sure if it's possible in our lifetime to see mass unity happen, but I think if, if God gives us the gift of revival breaking out in the land, I think we can see some awesome stuff happen together. Because remember, unity isn't about uniformity. It's about walking in the same direction. It's a voluntary thing. It's where I may not like that Jason does something a certain way, or I may not agree with some aspect of his theology or something like that. Not that I've discovered anything like that yet. And if I did, I'd tell you privately. But it's me choosing to walk together with him for the common purpose that we're on, right? And so that unity is something that God is working for. So I want us, I want us to look at 2 Corinthians here, 5, 18, and 19. It says this. All of this is from God, speaking about not, not considering others according to the flesh any longer, but in Christ. It says, all of this is from God, through who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So now, now that third piece of how, or the second piece of how God is doing this, this work is that he's using us. It's us. Now we get to bring the message of reconciliation. What we're building matters and why we're building it matters. Are we the type of men who are going to raise up others to raise the name of Jesus? Or are we the type of men who are going to build little finite kingdoms? What are we going to do? Are we going to be, are we going to step into our ministry of reconciliation, which is bringing people back into relationship with God, restoring them and seeing their purposes fulfilled? My prayer is yes. Are we the type of people who are deadly focused on the face of Christ and on seeing his purposes fulfilled in us and through our families and through our, those that God entrusts to us? Because here's the thing, God, this is something I was just chewing on as I was preparing is God doesn't share glory with anybody. And sometimes we wonder why our churches are devoid of power or they're devoid of true transformation. And I wonder, I wonder if it's because 
we've not been very good at allowing God to get glory. We want a little for ourselves too. But here's the thing. As my spiritual formations coach always told me, they said, when, when you recognize you're out of alignment, it's not, don't take out the hammer and beat yourself on the head. What you need to do is just gently and graciously turn your heart back toward Christ. Just turn your heart back towards Christ. If there's a reorientation that needs to happen, set your heart back towards Jesus. And let him know how, how you want to walk like he walked. You want to do what you see the Father doing. You want to do it for his purpose, for his glory, not for your own. So there's this idea then of us becoming mission-centric leaders. A mission-centric leader does a couple of things. I'm going to give you three things that a mission-centric leader does. This is not a comprehensive list, but it's the few things that I felt I should share with you. So what we've got here, mission-centric leaders do three things. And the first thing is this. They remember, they remember that they are finite. Now, I know this sounds a little funny, but we are not eternal. As, as far as our life on earth will eventually end and our name will eventually be forgotten. I mean, think about this. What if everything you did was about building your ministry brand around your name and your own reputation? Eventually, that will come to nothing. Hopefully, it would have borne some fruit. But eventually, even if you did the most insane exploits in the world, and you went down in the history books, fast forward 500 years, your name would eventually be forgotten. And if not 500 years, fast forward 1,000 years, maybe fast forward 5,000 years, eventually, should Jesus continue to tarry, you're going to be forgotten. So what you should be focused on is remembering, like long game, you're aiming at eternity and sowing into eternity. You're building his kingdom, which is about people, because people are eternal, works or not. These works that we're building, and what I mean is like your church, your business, your ministry, whatever it might be, is not eternal. But when we have a, 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 a keen awareness of our own finiteness, that we don't know everything, we're not going to live forever, we're not everywhere at once, we can't actually do everything. I don't know about you, but in America, we think you could grow up and do anything. And a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to be the president, I'm going to be an astronaut, and I'm going to invent some cure for cancer all in the same lifetime. And they don't do any of them, right? But the thing is, because we think way too op optimistically about what we think we can do in a lifetime, and then we miss the reality of what's most important and to sow into that. And so keeping, your, keeping yourself close to the earth is what I like to call it where you remember, I came from that earth and I'm going back to the earth eventually. I need to keep myself close to the earth and think, what can I do with the short amount of time I have? Because guess what? When you die and you're in heaven with God, you're not going to be doing this kind of ministry anymore. Do you follow what I'm saying? Like now's your chance to do something crazy for God. And it starts in just even small ways. So that remembering of being finite, we're all going to die. Our life is a vapor. So what are you going to do with the time that you think you have left, right? Is it about you or is it about the kingdom? <laughs> I, like, I like to say this a lot. 
that I'm building for E-Town, which is eternity, right? It's a different city. It's a different part of life. It's out in the future. And that's happening now. The seeds I sow now are bearing fruit in eternity in the lives of people. The second thing that mission-centric people do, and again, not an exhaustive list, but they see people as places of investment, not parts in a machine. Mission-centric people, leaders, see people as places of investment, not as parts of a machine. There were a number of years um, where, where serving in, in ministry, sometimes I felt like I was a cog in some kind of motor. And in part, that was because I was being used for skills that I possessed, right? But I was not being invested in as a human. And I think as leaders, one of the biggest challenges is to remember that the people we're leading and influencing and speaking to and training and challenging, even our own family, guess what? They're all human beings with the call of God on their life. They are a place to be invested into. And I absolutely had the, the, the awesome joy of sharing a year of mentorship with, with Pastor Russ Phrase before he passed away. One of the things I took away from him, from his life example, is that he invested in people. You know, if you ask Jason Holland, like, how was Pastor Russ at building systems and structures? He might be like, Ugh, you know. Okay, but what he was super amazing at and was part of his big part of his call was to invest in people. And what's amazing now is we're seeing the fruit, the multiplication of fruit because of investing as people as an investment, not just because they're a cog in a machine or a system or a way to get things done. So I guess one of the things you can ask yourself then around that is, how do you treat people? How do you see people? Do you see people? Or do you see parts of your machine? And now there are different types of leaders with different types of calls and different types of talents and all that stuff. And some people see things more strategically than others. And they, they see all the parts and the pieces. And, but that, that temptation there is then you treat people like they're a commodity to be used. And then when they're no longer useful to you, they get thrown away, right? I mean, think about what that says to the identity of a human. And then there are other people who are totally on the other side and have zero ability to coordinate and anything. And they end up hurting the people they're trying to serve by not being structured enough or organized enough, right? So it's really about, you got to look at your ministry Look at your business, look at what you're doing and say, look at the fruit that's in the people's lives that are serving with you, especially the layer of leaders right under you, right? How are they doing? Are they thriving? Are they stepping into their call? Are they stepping into their destiny? Are they, are they increasing in value as a human? Are they increasing in skill and knowledge in Jesus and passion for God and passion for the mission or not? right? It's the leader's responsibility to watch out for their people, for those that God's entrusted to them. And so 
I mean, if you look at, if you look at it from this standpoint, and this is a little scary, like you could be like a Moses or you could be like a Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh, he utilized people to accomplish his, his dream. And again, this is why, why I talked about the vision piece right at the beginning. Is your vision about you or is your vision about Jesus? Are you building a legacy or are you building eternity? Because even, yeah, sure, you want to leave a legacy. Yeah. Awesome. Is it a legacy for Jesus or is it a legacy like a monument for yourself, right? And I, I, I know this may feel very, very challenging in a sense, like I don't even know you guys and I'm picking at you guys, but I just want to encourage you guys and call you up. And if you're already here, awesome. But call you up to a higher place. God wants you to do more, but not for you, but for him, right? And so that question around building and people and all this stuff like Pharaoh, you know, most of, if not all of what he built disappeared, except a few things and their relics that people visit on a holiday, you know? And I think God wants more for your life and for those that lead with you than that. Moses, on the other hand, he led people out of bondage and into their inheritance. Now, it's by the grace of God that any of us could lead at all. It's by the grace of God that we can lead people out of bondage and into freedom and into their inheritance. But you can do it and God can help you, right? So what's that third thing? That third thing here about what mission-centric leaders do is they make it their aim to exalt the name of Jesus or, or put another way, they make it their aim to make the name of Jesus more famous today than it was yesterday. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want to burn for. I want to burn for making Jesus more famous today than he was yesterday. And that starts with the cashier at the church or at the, uh, at the grocery store over by where I work. That's, that's when I'm going out on a plane to go do some, do some missions work or build a house or whatever. I don't want people to just to think, oh, Mark Davies, he's a good guy. He came and did blah, blah, blah. Or he put his cart back and said, God bless you. No, I want them to know the name of Jesus because it's in his name that all will be saved, right? Not in my name. There's nothing to do with me. I'm just a conduit for the name, the name that is above every name. It's that that's the name of Jesus. And so that's that third thing that people do who are mission centric leaders is they make it their aim to please the Lord and make him more famous today than he was yesterday. How can I close up with this here? It's in Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 13, and it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how will they call on him if they have not believed on him? And how are they to believe in him whom they've never heard of? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? 
as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And for us, my friends, there really is no more important mission. Being conduits of reconciliation and messengers of the the message of reconciliation, of letting people know that God is there, that Jesus is available to them. And so whatever it is that you go out to do today, think about this. Is what I'm building, building my legacy or is it building eternity? Is my vision to see the name of Jesus, the broad vision, of course, you're going to have a narrow vision, but is the broad, big, long picture vision to see the name of Jesus made more famous in the earth? And I believe that you guys are positioned uniquely, each of you, where God has put you to make Jesus a little more famous today than he was yesterday. And the multiplied effect of that is that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. That is going to happen. And we get to be a part of that, even in just a small way. And so I thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for serving. Thank you for dedicating your lives to Jesus. Remember, don't be afraid to go nameless, kingdomless, legacyless. Jesus is worth it all. And as you pour it out for him, he will take care of you. So bless you guys, and thank you for letting me be a part of Thank you for joining Joshua Nations on this episode of the Inheritance Podcast. For more information about the ministry of Joshua Nations, please go to www.joshuanations.org. To join our prayer movement, please go to prayer.joshuanations.org. We hope you will join us for the next episode of the Joshua Nations Inheritance Podcast. May God bless you.